0: You are listening to the Finance Professor Podcast, brought to you by financeprofessor.org. Welcome back to the Finance Professor Podcast. Uh, I'm going to talk about my new paper, Estimating the Life Expectancy and the Value of Statistical Life Losses from the COVID-19 Infections in the United States. But first of all, I have just a few remarks. Uh, My family's doing fine. We're all very healthy here. And... uh, my daughter's in the swing of uh, online education, elementary education, and uh, uh, I am in the swing of uh, online higher education at the University of Louisiana Lafayette. Um, but obviously, COVID has uh, created a lot of problems for people, not just health problems, but almost everyone has experienced some part of the economic disruptions uh, from COVID, if they've not been touched by. The health problems, and uh, you know, the question that I I started out with was: I felt like the whole discussion of COVID uh, was not being framed in a kind of cost-benefit analysis scenario, right? That there there needed to be not just medical advisors, epidemiologists medical doctors but we also needed to think about the economic impacts of these shutdowns and while this theory of flattening the curve and social distancing you know we have to think about these are very large economic costs and are we getting the large economic benefits right so obviously uh, in my last uh, finance professor podcast, uh, we were we were really focused on mortality, right? And actuarial tables and the mortality of the presidential candidates. And we're revisiting the actuarial tables today to think about the mortality of Americans writ large with respect to the COVID crisis. And how do we quantify that in economic terms, so then we can weigh that on one end against the economic disruptions that happen on the other end, right? And I think there's been far too much of people saying, hey, you're heartless, you're awful, you can't say things like this. But that's the job of economists to say those things, right, because we have limited resources, we have to allocate those resources in a smart way otherwise we don't have as many resources to save people's lives to nourish people to house people uh so you know on one side of the ledger, you've got massive unemployment over 22 million i think people have applied for unemployment benefits at the time of the recording uh and we all indications that there will be many more uh and a very large percentage of the economy has been shut down essentially by government fiat. And so uh, how do we, it, is the COVID uh, disease worth these disruptions? And the other thing to think about, I think you should be thinking about if you've not thought about COVID is that, which I'm sure you have, I'm sure you've been thinking about it, but I, these these graphs that people show of these uh, normal distributions and we need to flatten the curve, blah, blah, blah. uh, They don't show multiple curves. They usually only show one, like when we get over the hump and then everything's all better. But the truth is that everything's not all better once we get over the hump. uh, If we're able to so-called flatten the curve through social distancing and everybody staying at home and a shutdown of a large portion of our economic activity... And disruption of a lot of people's economic lives and uh, the educations of K through 12 students. Uh, then, then uh, when we get on the other side of the curve, the curve goes back up again once we open things up, right? And so we're trying to apply this to the numbers. Uh, and you know, I this is this this is uh, an exercise where what I thought was going to happen. Uh, was not necessarily, uh, you know, in, in terms of where the paper went, uh, was not necessarily where I thought it was going to go at the end. But we look at, you know, three principal things. We we measure the, the VSL losses potentially from the COVID based on the infection fatality rates. Uh, and that's kind of at the end of the paper. But we also look at the individual level. When you're doing your own individual risk assessment, right, how much risk do you bear based on your age bracket and sex, right? And as it turns out, uh, you know those risks are not constant through the ages, and they're not even constant as a function of your annual mortality. And we'll we'll get into that in the in the paper. All right, so I'll give you the paper, and then maybe I'll talk about uh, some of my takes on this and my takes on how uh, the U.S. and world economy gets out of the crisis on the back end after we finish. As always, you can download the paper at, uh, there'll be a link at linuswilson.com, financeprofessor.org or my SSRN page. Estimating the Life Expectancy and Value of Statistical Life Losses from the COVID-19 Infections in the United States by Dr. Linus Wilson, Associate Professor of Finance, Department of Economics and Finance, B.I. Moody III, College of Business, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. The views expressed are of the author alone. Abstract. Americans age 60 or older stand to lose 153 to 220. De- days of life expectancy from contracting COVID-19. Over 90% of the U.S. population was under stay-at-home orders by April 2020. These social distancing measures to slow the spread of SARS-CoV-2, or novel coronavirus, have led to over 20 million new applications for unemployment benefits. Are these economic losses justified? We find the value of statistical lives lost, VSL, from an unconstrained spread of the virus that infected 81 percent of the population would amount to 8 to 60 trillion. One introduction. This paper attempts to open the discussion of how to model the benefits of social distancing measures in terms of the value of statistical lives saved in the SARS-CoV. To or COVID-19 pandemic. To do this, we compare the infection fatality rates, IFRs, of Ferguson et al. to the VSL from several studies. We find in figure three panel A, panels A and B, that the costs of 50% of the US population being infected with COVID-19 and lives lost and VSL are respectively between 0.659 million and 2.305 million lives lost and between 5 trillion and 37 trillion in VSL losses. The gross domestic product was only 21.7 trillion at the end of 2019, according to Mataloni and Aversa 2020. We use the U.S. Census data to control for age and gender of the population and show how a COVID-19 infection affects an individual's life expectancy and compares to a typical year's mortality. Life expectancy losses of between 153 and 222 days can be expected for Americans over 60 with a novel coronavirus infection. According to Figure 2, Panel C, Americans younger than 40 can expect to lose less than two weeks of life expectancy from contracting the virus. In Figure 1, Panel C, persons over 50 can expect COVID-19 to be about as deadly or up to 70% more deadly than a year's mortality risks. Persons younger than 40 years old can expect less than a half year's mortality risk in a COVID-19 infection. To argue against the social distancing measures, either the IFR of COVID-19 must be nearer to the low end of Ferguson et al.'s 2020's 95% confidence interval, or the social distancing measures must be very ineffective in reducing the reproductive number R0 of the sars CoV-2 virus. As to the former, a few studies suggest a much lower mean IFR than the 0.9% of Ferguson at all. Ioannidis 2020 argues that after adjusting for the age of the infected on the Diamond Princess cruise ship the IFR for the US population should be about 0.3% which is below the lower bound of the 95% confidence interval calculated in Ferguson et al and used here likewise a population weighted study Benevid et al 2020 recruited people to be tested in Santa Clara County California regardless of symptoms for COVID-19 it found infection rates were severely underreported. They calculated an IFR between 0.12 and 0.2%. On the other hand, social distancing may be effective in reducing the spread of COVID-19. r 0 is the number of additional persons that an infected person goes on to infect on average. Anecdotal evidence indicates that social distancing in late March and early April may have been effective. Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York State, which had the highest number of deaths and confirmed cases of COVID-19 of the U.S. states on April 16, 2020, argued in his daily briefing in CNBC 2020 that his modeling teams believe that R0 fell from a median of 2.5 in Wuhan before social distancing and 2.2 on the Diamond Princess cruise ship to 0.9 in New York State after the mitigation efforts. Governor Cuomo argued that his advisors projected hospitals in his state would be overwhelmed with COVID-19 patients if R-naught was persistently above 1.2. See the discussion around the 24:45 minute mark of CNBC 2020. Rocklov et al. estimates that uncontrolled R-naught for COVID-19 on the Diamond Princess cruise ship was actually 14.8 before social isolation and 1.8 afterwards. Choel et al. 2011 argued that school closures in Mexico reduced the R-naught of h of the H1N1 outbreak by more than 30 percent. This paper will not attempt to measure the costs of social distancing, which no doubt number in the many trillions of dollars in the United States alone. By April 7, 2020, Seacon and Woodward reported that 95 percent of the U.S. population was under a stay-at-home order that meant all but quote essential businesses were shuttered. Morath and Cheney report that by April 16, 2020, 13% of the U.S. workforce or 22 million workers had filed unemployment insurance claims. The COVID-19 multi-state stay-at-home orders and the associated non-essential business shutdowns began with California on March 19, 2020, according to Mervash et al. 2020. Prior to the SARS-CoV-2 disruptions, the U.S. unemployment rate stood at a record low of 3.5% in February 2020, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Eichenbaum et al. 2020 estimate containing COVID optimally with social distancing will lead to consumption dropping by 22% versus 7% without containment of the virus. Since consumption is about 68.1% of GDP, according to the St. Louis Fed, and most recent GDP was 21.7 trillion, they are arguing that economic consumption losses are 0.27 minus 0.07 times 21.7 trillion equals 3.26 trillion. Obviously, the loss of freedom cannot be just measured in macroeconomic statistics. Aggregate consumption does not measure the loss of consumer and producer surplus. There are, may also be long-term effects to school-aged children or households facing bankruptcy that may not be captured fully in Eichenbaum at all. People losing their jobs also lose their health insurance and may be more likely to die as a result. Certainly, more empirical work can be done to estimate the actual cost of social distancing measures relative to their are-not benefits. One press release Yale News 2020 from the Yale Tobin Center for Economic Policy estimated the daily loss of shutdowns at 19 billion per day or about 7 trillion per year. Nevertheless, 3 to 7 trillion annually is less than this paper's low-end estimate of VSL losses for anything resembling the unconstrained spread of the virus infecting 81% of the population that Ferguson at all project. Our low-end VSL losses are 8 trillion for an 81% infection rate. For the high-end estimate, the value of statistical losses is about $60 trillion. Overall, the results of this paper point to a sizable personal risk for individuals over 60 becoming infected with COVID-19 in terms of the increased chance of death and reduced life expectancy. We also find the numbers of deaths and the value of statistical life losses are extremely high from high rates of COVID-19 infection. Thus, major economic disruptions from social distancing, stay-at-home orders, and school closures will be justified if the infection fatality rate estimates are reasonable. Measurement error of IFR, pharmaceutical treatments reducing the fatality rates, or a vaccine could make social distancing economic disruptions not worth the cost. In Section 2, we discuss the calculation of the infection fatality rates by age and gender. In Section 3, we compare the COVID-19 death rates to annual death rates by age and gender. In Section 4, we calculate the life expectancy losses from contracting SARS-CoV-2. We then, in Section 5, the deaths and the VSL losses from greater infection rates are presented. Finally, in Section 6, we conclude. Section two, infection fatality rates. We get the infection fatality rates by age bracket. IFR from Ferguson et al. 2020. Ferguson et al. in turn uses Verity et al.'s overall IFR estimate of 0.9% with a 95% confidence interval of 04 and 1.4% to scale age-based case fatality rates from Feng et al., consistent with the demographics of the United States and the United Kingdom. Insert Table 1 about here. The IFR by age in Column 2 of Table 1 are repeated from Ferguson et al. 2020. Column 1 of Table 1, the low and IFR estimate is Column 2 times the ratio of the lower bound IFR and the expected IFR, from Verity at all 2020, the ratio is 0.4 divided by 0.9 equals 0.44. The high estimate IFR of table is the upper confidence level IFR over the expected confidence level IFR times column two of table one. Scaling factor for column three is 1.4 divided by 0.9 1.55. So to give you an idea of the numbers we're talking about here, uh, the you know zero to nine category has a point. to 0.003% chance of fatality. Uh, So if you're under 10, you almost have no chance of uh, fatality from COVID. Uh, But if you're in the 80 plus age bracket, your chances of fatality go up to a range of four. uh, On the low end, 9.3 on the high end and 14.5 on the high end so the the middle is 9.3 the high end is 14.5 if you're in your 40s it's uh, closer to 0.1 percent on the low end and 0.2 percent on the mid end and 0.2 percent on the high end Uh, so the risks really go up for people um in their 60s it goes up to one percent on the low end and 3.4% on the high end, and it the risk overall goes up to 2.3% on the high end, on the low end for 70 year olds, uh, 5.1% expected, and 7.9% on the high end for a 70 year old getting COVID, and uh, that resulting in a fatality. Table 2 takes data from Feng et al.'s uh, 2020's Table 1 to estimate IFR rates for different sexes in Table 1, Columns 4 through 9. Feng et al. finds that men have a higher case fatality rate than women, 2.8 versus 1.7%. Note that case fatality measures death rates Of persons tested. The IFR is meant to measure the death rates of all persons infected. A significant portion of COVID-19 positive persons might not be tested. For example, in part, this is due to testing shortages and testing protocols in many states that require symptoms. Nevertheless, Sudden et al. 2020, which tested all women admitted to delivery to deliver a baby at New York Presbyterian Hospital, found that Over 80% of the COVID-19 positive pregnant women were asymptomatic at the time of the test. Only 10% of the asymptomatic women developed any symptoms during their three-day stay at the hospital. Gubertson et al. conducted a randomized test of persons in Iceland. 54% of the persons testing COVID-19 positive had no symptoms. The male CFR percent over the overall CFR percent in column 6 of table 2 is multiplied by columns 1, 2, and 3 of table 1 to produce columns 4, 5, and 6 of table 1. The female CFR percent over the overall CFR percent in column 6 of table 2 is multiplied by the cells in columns 1, 2, and 3 of table 1 to produce columns 7, 8, and 9 of table 1. So just scanning uh, table two, there, uh, one thing I'd point out that the overall CFR for Feng et al. is 2.3%. So uh, male CFR is 124% of overall CFR for the Feng et al. sample. And female CFR is 74.5% of oval, overall CFR. And I'll read the captions for both uh, Table 1 and Table 2. So Table 1 is the infection fatality rates by age, bracket, and gender. Infection fatality rates, IFR, by decade are from Ferguson et al. 2020. The overall IFR in Ferguson et al. is 0.9% based on Verity et al.'s 2020 estimates with a 95% confidence interval of 0.4 and 1.4%. The high estimates are expected estimates multiplied by 1.4 divided by 0.9. The low estimates are the expected estimates of IFR multiplied by 0.4 divided by 0.9. Feng et al.'s case fatality rate CFR for COVID for men and women are 284 and 1.7%, respectively, with an overall CFR of 2.29%. The male CFR over total CFR is multiplied by the decade IFRs to calculate male IFRs. The female CFR over total CFR is multiplied by the decade IFRs to calculate female IFRs. Table 2, COVID-19 Case Fatality Rates by Gender from Feng et al. 2020. These numbers are taken from Table 1 of Feng et al.'s 2020 study of the COVID-19 cases in China through February 11, 2020. Column 6 is calculated as the sex CFR divided by the total CFR in Column 1. COVID-19 versus Annual Mortality in this section, we use the 2016 actuarial tables from the Social Security Administration to compare COVID death rates in Table 1 to the actuarial death rates for Americans. Table 3, the 2010 U.S. Census data in Howden and Meyer is used to calculate the percent of the U.S. population in the age ranges of Ferguson et al. 2020 and Fang et al. 2020 and Table 1. Column one of Table 3 will be used in our calculation of VSL losses in Figure 3. Column 2 gives the percent of population that is female from Howden and Mitre. More men than women are born in the US. Indeed, roughly 105 males are born for every 100 females born, but males have a much higher annual mortality rates. In the age 80 and above age group, 64% of the population is female we will find the increased mortality of COVID-19 on men in Feng et al. is consistent with American males' increased mortality in the actuarial tables. Column 2 of Table 3 will be used to calculate the overall death rates in Column 3 of Table 4. Table 3, 2010 U.S. Census data on the percent of the U.S. population and significant selected age brackets, and the female percent of the population in the selected age ranges. Uh, These are the percent of the U.S. population in each age category according to the U.S. 2010 Census as recorded by Howden and Meyer 2011. And then Table 4, Average Annual Death Rates in the United States by Decade. These are the simple averages of the annual death rates for men and women from the actuarial data from the Social Security Administration Office of the Chief Actuaries 2016 table. The combined column is the average annual death rates by decade weighted by the ratio of men and women in each decade of life according to the 2010 U.S. Census of Howden and Meyer. For the 2080 to 89 decade the weight of women and men over 80 was used to calculate the combined death rate in table four we use the 2016 actuarial tables from the social security administration the average annual death rates for each decade and sex are used to calculate columns one and two Table 4, Column 3 is calculated by weighting Table 4, Column 1 by the percent of men in the 2010 U.S. population in each age category, which is uh, 1 minus the relevant age category in Table 3, Column 3. Likewise, the weight of female death rates is given by the relevant age bracket in Column 3, Table 3. The population weighted average death rates for each age bracket are in Column 3 of Table 4. In Table 5, COVID-19 death rates are scaled by the relevant annual average mortalities in Table 4. Column 1 of Table 4 is divided from Columns 4, 5, and 6 of Table 1 to produce Columns 1, 2, and 3 of Table 5. Column 2 of Table 4 divides Columns 7, 8, and 9 of Table 1 to produce Columns 4, 5, and 6 of Table 5. covid 19 mortality increases as a percent of annual mortality for all age brackets up to 70 to 79 for men and 60 to 69 for women. Table 5, COVID-19 death rates over U.S. annual average mortality by decade for males and females. The COVID-19 infection fatality rates calculated from Ferguson at all 2020 and Feg at all 2020 are divided by average annual mortality by decade from the U.S. Social Security Administration Office of the Chief Actuaries 2016 table. So COVID death rates over average annual death rates by decade uh, are increasing, it's pretty clear. So it goes from COVID is 3% of annual risks for the 0 to 9 age group up to 177% of annual risks uh, for the 70 to 79 age group. For men, similar situation for women. Uh, in the expected scenario, uh, the COVID is only 2% of average annual mortality for women in zero to nine age group, but it continues to climb uh, until uh, you get to the 60 to 69 age group, to which is COVID is 167% of average annual mortality for the 60 to 69 group. Spiegelhalter 2020 argues that COVID-19 is roughly equivalent to a year's risk for most age brackets in the UK. We do not find this to be the case for the US. Nevertheless, Spiegelhalter 2020 uses year 7.3 mortality instead of average mortality to make that argument with United Kingdom mortality tables. It is unclear why year 7.3 of a decade age bracket is a meaningful comparison. Thus, we have used the average annual mortality with the United States mortality data instead. In Table 6, the IFRs from Table 1, Columns 1, 2, and 3 are divided by the combined annual death rates from Table 4, Column 3. Table 6, COVID-19 death rates over year, U.S. annual average mortality by decade. The COVID-19 infection fatality rates, IFR, calculated from Ferguson et al. and Fang et al., are divided by the average annual mortality by decade from the U.S. Social Security Administration, Office of the Chief Actuary's 2016 table, and the population weights of men and women from the 2010 U.S. Census in Howden and Meyer, 2011. If we look at the... Expected mortality combined, uh, we see that the zero to nine age bracket only has 3% of the annual mortality risks if they get COVID-19, but that rises uh, up to the 60 to 69 age bracket where they get 174% of annual mortality rate. Risks if they get COVID. In Figure 1, Panel A, we plot the death risks for men with COVID-19 over the average annual male mortality in Columns 1, 2, and 3 of Table 5. In Figure 1, Panel B, the relative female mortality of COVID-19 versus average annual mortality is plotted from Columns 4, 5, and 6 of Table 5. The combined men and women COVID-19 death risk over average annual mortality for both sexes from Table 6 is plotted in Figure 1, Panel C. The mortality of COVID-19 is expected to be less than average mortality for age brackets below 50 years old. At 50 years old or above, getting COVID-19 is roughly equivalent to a year to two years mortality risk. Looking at Figure 1, Panel A: uh, Male COVID nineteen mortality over average annual mortality by decade of life. Female COVID, and then Figure One Panel B is female COVID nineteen mortality over average annual mortality by decade of life. And Figure One Panel C is COVID nineteen mortality over average annual mortality by decade of life. And the y-axis is the percent of average annual mortality that COVID is. And then we've got the age brackets: 0 to 9, 10 to 19, 20 to 29, 30 to 39, 40 to 49, 50 to 59, 60 to 69, 70 to 79, and 80 plus plotted on the horizontal axis of all these figures. What you see in the figures is you see this like hill shape, right? It's a gradual climb through 0 to 9 up through 40 to 49. And then it's... Gets the slope gets really steep uh, and maybe even peaks at sixty to sixty nine and then it starts uh, flattening off or leveling down uh, and you start going down the hill on eighty plus. What is the point of this? The what this indicates is that uh, COVID is more deadly than annual mortality risks for people in the sixty to seventy. Uh, range, typically, uh, and then it becomes almost as deadly as annual mortality risks uh, for people in the 80s range. Section four, COVID's impact on life expectancy. To measure COVID SARS impact on life expectancy, let us define some terms. PSDC is the conditional probability that a person of the sex S decade of life, or age bracket D, and virus... Severity Scenario C will die of COVID given that they are infected. This is the IFR for the Sex, Decade, and Scenario Combination. PSDC is given by Columns 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 of Table 1. Let Change or Delta LESDC be the average days of life expectancy lost from contracting the COVID-19 virus. LEST is the life expectancy in years of someone of the sex S age in t- years T. C stands for the low IFR, expected IFR, the high IFR scenarios in table 1. LEST minus 1 minus PSDC, n brackets, times LEST are the years of life Expectancy loss if someone of a gender S and age T contracts COVID-19 with an IFR severity C. T subscript DA is the beginning of years of the age bracket D. It is the zeroth year. It is year zero in the zero to nine bracket and is 80 in the 80 to 89 age brackets, for example. T subscript DB is the ninth year in an age bracket. For example, T 50 to 59B equals 59, and T subscript DB minus t subscript d a plus one is the number of years in a relevant age bracket tdd t subscript d b minus t subscript d a plus one is equal to 10. we assume that the year has 365.25 days the average days of life expectancy loss for each one of the genders for each decade of life and in all three scenarios is calculated below So change L-E-S-D-C equals 365.25 divided by 10. Summation T equals T-D-A to T-D-B. And you sum, what you're summing is the difference between the life expectancy subscript S-E minus 1 minus P-S-D-C and brackets times L-E-S-T. Figure 2, panel A and B are the days of life expectancy lost for each decade. The black lines are the expected IFR scenario. The dashed line is the low IFR scenario. And the dotted line is the high IFR scenario in both panels. To plot Figure 2, Panel C, combining both genders, let us define one more term. GD is the percent of the population that are female and is given by Table 3, Column 2. Let's assume that S takes on the value M for males and F for females. Let change LEDC be the population weighted average of both genders' life expectancy by scenario and decade. This is calculated as follows. Change LEDC equals G sub D times change LEFDC plus one minus G D and brackets change in L E M D C. Uh, figure two panel C plots the decade and scenario pairs for equation two. Let's look at figures two panel A B and C. Uh, Panel A is average male expected days of life expectancy lost by the 10-year age range from a COVID-19 infection. And on the horizontal axis, we have the days of life expectancy. And on the, I'm sorry, on the vertical axis, we have the days of life expectancy. And then we have the the decade age brackets on the horizontal axis, uh, which go from zero to nine to 80 to 89. And we see a hill that really doesn't downslope uh, for the males. Uh, So you don't expect to get over 100 days lost of life expectancy prior to the 60 age bracket, where you get almost 200 days lost life expectancy in the expected scenario. And it goes over 200 for uh, 70 to 79. Uh, But you're almost at zero for people that are minors, and uh, you seem to be below four weeks uh, if you're 49 years or younger. So, in terms of life expectancy impacts on males, uh, which also tracks fairly closely for females, um, that you're going to see... Uh, the biggest losses in hundreds of days of life expectancy for people 60 and above. All right, so that uh, that continues. If we look at uh, panel B, uh, for the average female expected days life expectancy loss by a 10-year age range from a COVID-19 infection. Uh, if you are, you lose about 125 days if you're above you're 60 to 69, and that goes up to uh, just under 200 days, around 180, 190 days, uh, if you're 70 to 79 or 80 to 89. So uh, the, but if you're below, if you're below 49, you expect to lose uh, less than three weeks. It looks like, uh, and it, you don't expect almost any life expectancy losses uh, if you're a minor, if you're you're 19 it, or below. Uh, and then the combined should be tell more of the same story, uh, and it's, it's similar uh, to that. But we don't really, it, it's more just uh, upslope till your 70th birthday and then somewhat of a plateau from 80 to 89. Section 5, Value of Statistical Life Losses. To weigh the costs of social distancing measures, we need to be able to estimate the value of human life. Clearly, we cannot stomach sacrificing all of society's resources to save one life and let 99.9999% of the world starve to death. There must be some price at which saving a human life is too dear. The value of statistical life literature says that we should value human life at a rate that individuals value their own life. An individual makes a choice between a risky job And a safe job, or a risky product, and a safer product. This choice trades money for a small probability of death. VSL equals extra money gained divided by extra probability of death. For example, if an individual gains four thousand from a one in two thousand probability of death, then VSL is four thousand divided by one divided by 2,000, which is 8 million. This is a large literature which O'Brien does a good job of introducing the reader to. We selected the studies that looked at a range of ages, at least as large as 18 to 62. Selected studies reviewed by O'Brien in Table 7 had to have a minimum age of persons studied of 18 or lower, and they had to have a maximum age of 62 or higher. We only selected studies that had a range of VSL estimates. The upper and lower bound estimates of selected studies, Johanneson et al. 1997, Aldi and Viscuzzi 2003, Viscusi and Aldi 2007, Aldi and Viscuzzi 2008, and Nisar, Viscusi, and Ziliak, 2006 are in table 7. Our lower bound estimate is the average of those studies lower bound million. The upper bound average VSL estimate is 12.57 million. The average of the upper and lower bound is 9.16 million. The inflation multiple from the Bureau of Labor Statistics from 2009 to 2020 is 1.2218. Thus, in 2020 dollars, our low expected and high VSL estimates are 7 million 11.2 million and 15.4 million. O'Brien points out that many studies, including O'Brien 2018, find an inverted U shape, which seems to conform to people's valuations of their lives depends on their current income. The young and post-retirement persons have lower VSLs than persons in their peak earning years. Unfortunately, most studies do not track VSL into the into the 70s, 80s, and 90s because employment choices are the most common method of calculating VSL. Thus, we do not have a good idea of how much the VSL of a person in their 50s differs from someone in their 90s. Nevertheless, VSL does not track closely with life expectancy because we see VSL increasing from the 20s to the 50s while life expectancy declines. Let's take a look at Table 7, Value of Statistical Life Studies, VSL Studies, Upper and Lower Estimates in 2009 U.S. Dollars. Um, the ages range from 18 to 74 for the first study and 18 to 62 for the, the middle three studies and 18 to 65. Uh, and we've got ranges of upper limits of 7.5 to 20 million US dollars and ranges of four to eight point four million dollars on the lower limit, which averages out to be about five point seven uh, to twelve point six million dollars in 2009 dollars, which we subsequently will gross up to 2020 dollars with an inflation factor. Uh, This is a subset of studies of the value of statistical lives in O'Brien's Table 1. We selected studies that at least looked at an age range that started at no higher than 18 years old and had a top age no lower than 62 years old. There had to be an upper and lower bound to the VSL estimate cited in O'Brien for a study to be selected. A simple average of the five studies lower and upper bounds were taken. The average upper bound and lower bound was calculated as our VSL estimate. Going back to the text of the paper, for simplicity, we do not distinguish between age and VSL. Our low expected and high estimates do not differ between age categories. Thus, a 90-year-old man with a life expectancy of 4.1 years has the same VSL as a one-year-old girl with a life expectancy of 80.4 years in our analysis. Porter and Tankersley 2020 Argued that the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency (EPA) under George W. Bush, under the George W. Bush administration, abandoned attempts to discount VSL for seniors by 33 percent after a political backlash. Eichenbaum at all uses the 9.5 million VSL, which the EPA uses. 9.5 million is between our lower and and expected. VSL estimates of 7 million and 11 million. After adjusting Merrill 2017 for inflation, the median wrongful death jury award was only 2.6 million, the median 9 11 compensation was 2.4 million, and the average lifetime earnings of college graduates was 2.8 million in 2020 U.S. dollars. Thus, both the EPA and VSL range. Place a much higher value on American lives than juries have done or the 9 11 Commission did. Figure 3, Panel A, extrapolates deaths as a fraction of the population infected by COVID 19 from Table 1's columns 1, 2, and 3. Those age categories are weighted by the percent of the U.S. population in Table 3, Column 1. We assume, assume that the U.S. population is. 329,342,883, 329,342,883, which was the U.S. Census projection for March first, 2020. A 20% infection rate corresponds to roughly 263,000 to 922,000 deaths. By comparison, heart disease has been the number one killer of Americans, and it results in 647,000 deaths per year, according to Bacon and Yom Tov. 2020. WorldMeters.info tabulated U.S. deaths from COVID-19 at over 38,000 by April 18, 2020. The deaths calculated for the low, expected, and high estimates in Figure 3 Panel A are multiplied by the low, midpoint, and high VSL estimates of 7000000 million, and 15.4 million per death respectively. Those estimates are plotted in figure three panel B. An 80% infection rate corresponds to VSL losses between 8 trillion and 59 trillion. Our midpoint VSL estimate produces losses of 28 trillion, which exceeds the annual GDP of the U.S. economy. Thus, unless IFR rates are much lower than expected the expected scenario, large economic disruptions as part of social distancing campaigns to reduce the virus spread will be justified. Looking at uh, Figure 3, Panel A and B, Figure 3, Panel A, U.S. death projections from COVID-19. Uh, the high estimate with a 100% spread is over 4.5 million. The expected with a 100% spread is about 3 million and the low IFR with 100% spread is between 1 and 1.5 million uh, and uh, this radiates out from zero because it's a linear function. Uh, Infection fatality rates by age are from table one of Ferguson et al. which uses an overall IFR of 0.9% with a 95% confidence interval of 0.4 to 1.4%. The 2010 U.S. Census in Howden and Meyer is used to match the decade IFRs from Ferguson et al. to the U.S. population. The low estimate scales down the age based IFR by multiplying it by 0.4 divided by 0.4 over 0.9. The high estimate scales to the age based IFR by multiplying it by 1.4 over 0.9. The U.S. population is the US census's projection of 329,342,883 by March first, 2020. Let's turn to panel B. Projected value of statistical lives lost from the COVID-19 in trillions of US dollars. These are also linear functions radiating out from zero with the percent of population on the horizontal axis and uh, instead of deaths on the vertical axis, Panel B has trillions of 2020 U.S. dollars in VSL losses. So uh, at the low estimate, the dashed line, uh, if we had 100% spread, the losses would be roughly $10 trillion. Uh, At the midpoint estimate, midpoint VSL estimate, we've got uh, losses between... 30 and 40 trillion at 100% spread. And at the high estimate, uh, the VSL losses are between 70 and 80 trillion. Uh, The the value of statistical life estimates are from O'Brien Table 1. All studies that were provided, all studies that provided a range of VSL and used an age range of at least as wide as 18 to 62 or wider, were selected for the average VSL. Low midpoint and high estimates. The 2009 dollars in O'Brien 2018 were scaled up to 2020 dollars $20 based on the Bureau of Labor Statistics CPI calculator ratio of 1.2218. The average VSL for the low midpoint and high estimates of VSL were 7, 11.2, and 15.54 million. In 2020 dollars, the low midpoint and high VSL estimates were multiplied by the low expected and high IFR for the number of Americans in the age brackets as of the 2010 census, according to Howden and Meyer 2011. The U.S. population estimate of the U.S. census for March first, 2020 of 329,342,883 was multiplied by the relevant IFR by age bracket, the relevant VSL, the percent of the population in that age bracket, and the percent of population infected. Section 6, Conclusion. The potential loss of life and the corresponding losses from the value of statistical lives from COVID-19 dwarf the size of the U.S. economy if the disease spreads unchecked. This paper looks at the per person losses in terms of increased death rates compared to typical mortality risks. In addition, we show how much COVID reduces the life expectancy of Americans by their age category. This study points to VSL losses of between 5 trillion and 37 trillion if just 50% of the U.S. population is infected. Stay at home orders that have thrown tens of millions out of work but have likely reduced the rate of the virus's spread substantially appear economically justified. Pharmaceutical interventions or a vaccine that reduces COVID-19's death rate or evidence that mortality rates of infections are way overestimated could change the calculus in favor of opening up the economy more broadly." Okay, so I said there, there were going to be three things that would potentially get us out of this crisis, right? Um, one is a pharmaceutical treatment. That may happen. Um, the other one is the, the vaccine, and we've been told 12 to 18 months is the fastest we can hope for it. Um, supposedly, uh, so one of the guys that I cited was Dr. Ioannidis of uh, Stanford, uh, who's in the the department there and he argued that that we've never had a vaccine for coronaviruses before uh, but the common cold is made up of several different coronaviruses doesn't mean they can't find one for COVID 19 and obviously there's a lot more money and brain power at work so maybe we'll get a vaccine but we've been told not to expect it faster than 12 months um and So that seems like an awful long time. So spring 2021 to shut down the economy. Uh, And then the third is measurement error, that there's a decent chance that this 95% confidence interval of Ferguson at all, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't be 95% confident in it. So for one, I cited several papers uh, that, you know, indicate... uh, you know, two of the things uh, were uh, by Mr. Oh, Mr. Ioannidis in the Stanford Department of Medicine and Epidemiology. I think I I got their department name wrong. Uh, the the Santa Clara County study, which like these papers has a lot of co-authors on it, um, that one uh, seemed to indicate that the IFR was point two or. 1.2, which would put it much closer to the flu. Um, the, obviously, we mentioned in the paper that heart disease is the number one killer of Americans, kills about uh, just under 700,000 people per year. Uh, we are on track with current COVID deaths uh, to meet that. You know, If present trends continue forever, that is the, the death counts that we've had in the last several days continue forever then COVID could be as deadly as heart disease. Uh, But everybody thinks that the deaths are going to start declining uh, due to these stay-at-home orders and social distancing. Uh, But, you know, there's reason to believe uh, from the— I mean, just off the face of it, if only the death rate was only 1% on the Diamond Princess cruise ship, which is basically packed with senior citizens uh, who are most at risk— Uh, then that indicates to you that the IFR globally must be much less than that, probably a factor of five, right? And that's what Mr. Ioannidis found, that it was closer to 0.3. And his 95% confidence interval range was pretty close to zero on the bottom. Uh, So if that's the case, I think if we start getting into the uh, 0.4 and below uh, IFRs, right, and even point five, these cost benefit analyses uh, make more of a difference that, that uh, the, the costs of the shutdown, which are not uh, totally, should not only be quantified in terms of monetary costs, but economists need to be working up the consumer and producer surpluses in addition to the direct economic costs and quantifying all these costs, and that was, you know, one of the, the citations that I did have, I was not very happy with what I'd found so far, of what economists and finance professors and people who do these kind of cost-benefit analysis. I was not happy with what they'd done. I felt it's really incomplete. Uh, and then, but obviously, if you have uh, a significant portion of the workforce out of work you can make the argument that GDP is probably going to go down by a similar percent of that part of the workforce. Right. And so I, you know, I think that the, uh, but that doesn't measure at all, right. There's, there is disutility by putting people in their homes and not letting them go out for anything except groceries or medicine. Right. Uh, there's disutility, uh, to, this at home learning if people didn't choose it right if you know so everything that people wouldn't choose otherwise and you're forcing them to do there is some disutility which may not be totally captured in just the dollars and cents recorded in transactions right this loss of choice or being forced to make uh choices that you don't uh don't choose so i've I think you know the VSL literature does' a kind of an ingenious job of capturing uh, consumer surplus, right? And I think we need more of those types of studies to capture both consumer and producer surpluses losses from these stay at home orders. The problem with COVID is there's just a lot of bad statistics out there. Uh, the, the The worst one is the number of cases. Right? We just don't know who has COVID and who doesn't and how widespread it is. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that there's asymptomatic spread in the range of 50 to 80%, which we discuss in the paper. Um, and so I'm heartened that, for instance, New York State says they're, they're going to try to do a random sample uh, using uh, blood tests to try to figure out how big the spread was in the state of New York. Uh, because we've been, we've been doing millions of tests here in the United States. There is no way that the U.S. is going to be able to test its all its citizens in any reasonable time. They have to do random sampling similar to polling. Otherwise, we'll not have any idea at how deadly this virus is and how far it's spread. And so something similar to polling must be done because we've hit capacity limits and it seems very unlikely that we will exceed them by a factor of 10. The way government should respond to this crisis if the IFR is 0.2 is very different than the way that they should respond to this crisis if it's 0.6, right? And, you know, you may kill more people by throwing them out of their health insurance and the suicides and the, the other social ills associated with unemployment, uh, if it's only 0.1, right? If it's, it's comparable to the flu, if the IFR is 0.1. But if it's 0.6, then it may justify repeated shutdowns or partial shutdowns of the economy, Until we can bring down the infection fatality rate, my guess is that the the political winds will move. uh, You know, before these uh, cost-benefit analyses will convince anybody, and economic necessity uh, will force greater opening of the economy uh, sooner rather than later, even if it's not in the best interest of the economy. You can download the paper from the description of the podcast or go to financeprofessor.org. My name is Linus Wilson. Stay safe.